Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome to MLB Extras, the Colorado Rockies edition. I am Allison Footer, and I am here for my weekly chat with the esteemed Thomas Harding. Hi, Thomas. Um, let's talk about kind of where the Rockies are post-winter meetings, pre-holidays. Uh, once the holidays are over, we're going to be in January, and it's back to kind of revving things up. What do you think is next for the Rockies in terms of what they still need to do? Well, it's really interesting because last year they made a few moves at the winter meetings. If you recall, they um, came to agreements with Brian Shaw and Jake McGee. And at the winter meetings, they did um, a lot of the legwork for the Wade Davis signing. This year, it seemed like the winter meetings were more legwork than anything else for them. Um, Looking for somebody, it really looks like they're going to focus on first base, putting someone there. The guy I think is kind of in the lead here is a free agent, Daniel Murphy. What they're trying to do is get somebody just to improve the offense some. Maybe someone who has um, hit in big games before and just, um, adds just another bat to the lineup. I don't think they're necessarily trying to transform the lineup, but they want a relatively short contract because they do have a very good system here and guys who are coming up. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I see here. I know there's Talk about um, Justin Smoke from the Blue Jays, who would give them a power bat. Probably not the same consistency, though, that that a healthy Daniel Murphy would give them. Yeah, so Daniel Murphy, I mean, that would incite some, invoke some excitement into that fan base, right? I mean, that's uh, that's a pretty good player. That's a pretty big name. Yeah, it is a pretty big name, a good player, and I think more than anything, a good hitter. Because um, what, 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 what they need is just to lengthen out that lineup some. It seemed like last season there were, there were two big there, – there were many big stretches where it was three guys who were hitting or four guys who were hitting. You want five or six who are kind of um, you know producing. With uh, David Dahl moving into a more prominent role this year, he would join Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story, and Nolan Arenado as a pretty good center of a lineup. But it would be really good to have – a veteran bat and somebody that can perform in the pressure situations is what showed up last year in the playoffs where the entire team struggled. So you had a a nice, uh, interesting article on the Rockies website recently. I'm kind of talking about some of the players that may be moving on, some of the more familiar names that might be leaving by a free agency. And also three players who could get opportunities come spring training to really prove their worth to be on this roster. So could you tell us a little bit about these guys? Uh, Yeah, I was looking at the roster and what was and wasn't happening in the free agency slash trade market. And 
it became pretty clear to me that some of these guys that I've been kind of following for years and some of them that have peaked into the major leagues, this is their time, their time to really grab some playing time. Um, at the end of the season, everybody in that organization was very high on Ryan McMahon. It was a rough beginning, but if you look at it, here's a guy who had never, who had, who had barely played in the big leagues and didn't really have much of a knowledge of the pitching or a base of success. He was not like David Dahl, where a couple of years back, he had that 63 games of 315 batting average. Um, so when he was struggling, he really didn't have a lot to fall back on. And it took a while for everybody to come to a conclusion on what was going on in the batter's box. And in the article, we actually ran some uh, GIF files that showed um, a bad habit with the bat, how he was taking it too far back. The barrel was almost pointing, the barrel was pointing down toward the ground and it was making him late on the fastball. Well, when he came back at the end of the season, he hit very well. I mean, uh, you know, well over 300 average against pitches 94 or above. And that's always the question. We've seen a lot of guys with big minor league numbers, but if they don't hit the fastball, they are not going to make it in the major leagues. Now, if you hit the fastball, obviously you have to be be able to handle the the breaking and off-speed pitches. But if you can't hit the fastball, there's nothing for you. This is they always had a lot of confidence in. And I think they're going to move him into that second base hole, a very athletic guy. So I like um, Ryan McMahon a lot. The next guy, Ramel Tapia, um, he's been around there for for a couple of years now. Um, been up the last three seasons. Last year they gave him a chance to run away with a with an outfield spot because they wanted to move Charlie Blackman down. Well, he struggled in spring training. They brought in Carlos Gonzalez. wasn't a spot for him. He also struggled with those off the bench at bats that you needed late in games. Had one grand slam against Arizona, but it seemed like there were a lot of empty at bats there. But if they can get him right then he's a guy that can be part of the outfield mix. Um, if they bring in that first base, you move Ian Desmond to the outfield. But Tapia is a left-handed hitter. Desmond really hasn't hit right-handed pitching since he's gotten here. So you could actually move Desmond into a multi-position outfield role where he could give guys like Dahl and um, Blackman a break and have Tapia quite a bit against right-handed pitching. The other, that the guy that intrigues me is Carlos Estevez because it was too soon when he was pressed into the closer role in 2016, but the team wasn't really going anywhere. And then in 2017, he struggled because they were working on his delivery. Um, he had some he had some issues with it. And finally, they came to the conclusion, hey, there's a certain way that he throws the ball. Let's leave it alone. And he really blossomed, I thought, toward the end of the 2017 season. Then a couple of weird injuries last year. Um, in spring training, he bent over to pick up a ball while playing catch, and he gets a um, and, and he got an oblique injury. And then during one of his games in the minor leagues, when he was coming back, he was sitting on the bench. Somebody said, "Hey, Carlos," and he was getting up. And as he pushed himself up off the bench. He felt something in his elbow, and it turned out to be an elbow sprain. So really weird, but he's throwing in the Dominican Republic right now, and um, it looks like he'll be in shape uh, for the season. Uh, what he needs to do, though, is stay in the strike zone, which at times that's been a challenge for him. He had to feel like he was snake bitten with a couple of those injuries. I mean, that's just – that's like sneezing. Oh, yeah. When you do that, you just <laughs> – yeah, you just kind of roll your eyes like, okay, what else can happen? Um, he was actually back pitching in AAA toward the end of the season, 
and really felt good at the last couple of outings, but they couldn't bring him up in a playoff race because the the accuracy, the ability to spot his fastball just wasn't there. And at that time, as you know, when every game is really important, you can't have a guy who um, who really isn't consistently hitting his spots. But if he can get that back, then he, suddenly he moves into a pretty good position there because it looks like um, Adam Ottavino is going to go. Um, there, there are a lot of teams that are looking at him. It's just hard to believe the Rockies are going to bid that much for him. So what you do is you slide Scott Oldberg coming off a really successful second half into that late game Ottavino row. And that row, um, a, a little bit earlier in the game, Carlos Estevez, it could be there for him. Or he could end up the late innings guy, and then you don't mess with, uh, with Oldberg. Either one would be good, but Estevez has a shot here. So this is kind of a cool situation for the Rockies to be in, like going into spring training where they have a good core of returning players who help them get to the postseason a year before and, and a handful of jobs that are available to guys that are knocking on doors. So I guess that is really um, the perfect combination for any team going to spring training. I, I think the conventional wisdom would say that the, that the ideal situation would be like to go in to spring training with almost nothing available, like you've just got your roster set. And I've covered some teams like that, and it actually ended up being sort of disappointing, a disappointing start to the season, because there's an intensity that's not there when you're not competing for jobs. So it sounds like the Rockies are in a pretty good situation. Yeah, it's a pretty good situation. You don't want too much. I've covered teams where there were too many jobs. I mean, my goodness, I remember one year with the Rockies where uh, their opening day starter was Sean Estes, who came to camp on a minor league contract. I mean, when you have too many things going on, it's a it's a um, signal of lack of depth and just lack of frontline talent. Um, with the Rockies, it's a good thing for them because that's the way they're built. They're built to kind of regenerate from within. If you look at the, the, the top players on that roster um, offensively last season, I mean, you look at uh, Arenado, Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, even Carlos Gonzalez and and um, DJ LeMayhew. The last two of those guys, they came in trades before they established themselves as major leaguers. The, the rest of them all came through the system. That's the best way for the Rockies to hold on to their talent um, by getting them young. The, oh, the only issue with it is this. Um, you could transform that lineup, say, if you put together a real package, maybe involving pitching and some of their prospects for JT Riomuto or someone like that. But when you give up multiple prospects for one person, you, then a team like the Rockies that can't really go out and just buy their way through it like the Dodgers can, you end up hurting your depth. So I think it's it's a good thing for the Rockies, but it's also a bit limiting because it cuts down on the number of uh, trades they could make to get an immediate boost. Uh, the way they think, you know, they, they like their guys, though. And I remember at the winter meetings, whenever – these guys would come up, McMahon, Tapia, um, even some of the guys that you don't hear as much about, like Pat Vileka and and Michael Talkman. Jeff Breidich would talk about how much he believes in those guys. So it's the way the Rockies do things. It may limit them on the trade market, but you can't um, argue so far with the way that they've actually gotten some success to them. Okay. Good stuff, Thomas. Thank you so much. Enjoy the holidays. And thanks to everybody for listening to MLB Extras, the Colorado Rockies edition. And we'll talk to you in the new year. Thanks for having me and happy holidays to everyone out there. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all-in-one solution. 
that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.